What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Run Happy Podcast. I'm Baxter Friedman. And I'm Charlie Rook, and this is a podcast for people that want to improve themselves as runners as well as people, and always run happy. Let's get into it. All right, what's up, everyone, and welcome to now episode 24 of the Run Happy Podcast, and today we're here with Charlie O'Donovan. Man, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. It's uh, snowy here today, which I'm still not used to. People think back home in Ireland that it gets uh, it gets like this, but it doesn't. So it's quite a shock. So we had a snow day today. So I did four miles this morning with a few of the guys uh, just before the the roads got got bad, um, and then it ended up just e- being an easy day. So I have to switch training and go out tomorrow. So it was a pretty lazy day, but uh, it was good. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a fun day, though. Like, uh, we we don't get a lot of snow down here either. But and so since you don't, was it was it fun playing around the snow? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't out in, uh, in it much, to be fair. But uh, yeah, I was seeing all right from our window in our apartment. There were a few people doing uh, some making snowmen and uh, having snowball fights. So that's always awesome. interesting. Yeah, so that's it was cool. good. Well, so um, like we we know, like you know, you run at Villanova. You're a sub four miler. You're uh, like a big guy. But for uh, everyone that doesn't know who you are, like tell everyone a little bit about you. Yeah, no problem. So yeah, my name is Charlie. I'm 24, originally from Cork, Ireland, and uh, moved here when I was 18, 18, 19. Back yeah, so it's, it's a while back now. I'm surprised I'm still in college. I'm a super super senior thanks to uh, the uh, pandemic um but yeah so I, I got into running when i was 13 i was playing a bunch of other sports at the time and um none of them were really clicking i i, I enjoyed them pretty well like playing gaelic sports like uh, hurling and football and also playing soccer and uh when i went to my high school uh there was a notice for a cross-country meeting and i wasn't even entirely sure what it was and went along to that and i actually wasn't any good when I started by any means I bar- I wouldn't barely made our high school team um but I loved it from the get-go to the point where within the space of a few months every other sport was gone and then slowly but surely uh started progressing and enjoying it more and uh still enjoying it as much if not more now than I was when I was 13 so that's awesome good. yeah I mean like, a lot of improvements since you were 13 too so you know like how did um how did you running at Villanova start and like what, uh, what got you here? Uh, so I have a lot of connections to Villanova with my, uh, my first coach, Ken Nason. He's from, he was the guy who came into my school once or twice a week. And he was the coach at the local running club. And when I, after three or four months with the school, I decided to join the Leeville our running club. And it wasn't long then that I started hearing about Villanova um from ken who he was a sub four miler and he was like a multiple time all-american very successful athlete and uh then some of the irish greats in the 70s and 80s and, and 90s had come here like uh ronnie delaney who won the olympics in the 50s uh eamon coughlin world champion in the 80s marcus o'sullivan who's now my coach also from cork uh one of the most uh successful ath- athletes in all sports from ireland i would say uh, so there was like this constant, uh, there was an instant, like, I would say, interest that I had in the school. I it wasn't like, I didn't know that people go to America to run in college. It's obviously a very popular thing now to do, uh, but I wasn't aware of that. And then when I was, it was something I was like, oh, that'd be really cool to do. And if Villanova ever became an opportunity, that would be something I would kind of 
I would run at and then uh, slowly but surely the running started taking care of itself and in my going into my senior year um, Marcus got in touch and Matt our assistant coach and uh, but I didn't know at the time but like you know again there's so many connections back to the area that as I started progressing like people were talking to Villanova or talking to Marcus saying hey you know we might have this kid to come and stuff so there hadn't been many people going on in terms of like that Irish mother scene uh, in a in a good while since I was there so it was kind of like kicking up a pipeline again from the men's side um, in the middle distance We Harry Purcell was here when I got here who's an 800 runner he's a very successful athlete and Shifra Cleric Butner so I think every I think every decade has been covered by at least one Irish athlete in Villanova so and uh, it's continued now even since I've come here so but yeah so that was a bit of a long-winded answer but there was just a connection from uh, a, a, an early connection there from when I started running I love that. That's really cool. That yeah. is crazy. Yeah, that's such a yeah. cool story. I mean, to just have that connection, uh, I feel like that's how it always goes, right? But I wanted to ask, so uh, how was the adjustment from Ireland to, um, you know, the U.S.? Because I know I'm from, you know, I, I spent like eight years in Illinois and now I'm in Mississippi. And I know that was a pretty big adjustment. And uh, I was from, you know, England to, to the U.S. So that was a huge adjustment too. So I know you know, that must have been a pretty big adjustment for you. You know, how was it those first couple months, first year or so? Yeah, it was it was definitely different. And, um, you know, I came from a family where one or two cousins have, you know, moved abroad to Canada, Vietnam, just for a few places, like one or two people. But most of my immediate family and extended family are within like a half an hour drive. So everyone's used to being at home. Um and I was very, I still am very much of like, I love being at home. I love hanging around with my parents and my extended family. My grandparents used to live next door to me. So like very, you're seeing like the, the people who are closest in your life all the time to then uh, uprooting and then, you know, starting from uh, scratch in a way. But I think one of the things that made it easier for me and definitely made it easier for my parents in terms of, I guess, you know, worrying about me going, going away to the other side of the world was the connection with Marcus again. Uh, so it's a bit unique in terms to have someone who I knew him, like I knew him as Marcus O'Sullivan, the fantastic athlete and the fantastic coach when I was growing up. And I would have seen him a few times at say club practice when he would come home at Christmas. Um, but I then got to know him as a mentor and a coach. And, you know, obviously now over the last few years, uh, worked with him very closely and, been very lucky to have him on my side and to be guiding me you know both on and off the track so it was uh it was a big change but one thing I thought that was kind of comforting in a way was I went from being in a place where other than like my running club you know most again for, for like from the general public most people don't get running right you know if you tell someone oh I'm going to run 15 miles on a Sunday and like they don't know anything about running they're going to think you're crazy like anyone is going to think that yeah. but separate from that you know say you know the things that come with like sacrifices and you know time dedication what you want to get out of the sport um I found then that like I was around more people when I came here who kind of got that side of things um whether it be someone breaking four minutes for the mile or breaking you know, 15 minutes for the 5k, I'm just throwing out like random goals. Everyone has their own personal goals that they want to achieve. But I felt that everyone, there was like a, a team aspect that I hadn't had before where like everyone really cared for each other. So 
definitely different um but it was it was something that i kind of i would say that i got into and adjusted to very quickly and enjoyed from the start i like i didn't really get i missed home but i wasn't homesick which i know sounds kind of interesting but that's the way i would say it no yeah i got you it's like a it's like a family away from family kind of thing yeah yeah um definitely. which is like that's uh you know we're like we we i feel the same way with that uh and so we're like very fortunate to have those kind of things uh happen to us and like you said that you adjusted pretty quickly to you know your uh, your culture at villanova and like what did that culture look like for y'all um you know it's it's funny i guess go, come like coming here back in 2018 being class of 2022 and now being a, a graduate student you know no two teams are the same i would say the culture now versus the culture in 20 18, 2019 is different in some senses with different personalities, but then there's an overarching thing that's the same where like there's a sense of family. Like I feel like there's people, the some of the freshmen on the team now, for example, I was running with one of the guys this morning and, you know, we were just laughing and joking. And I remember there was a guy on the team who was only there for my freshman year, which I'm going to be like for him. And you think like, you know, that there's going to be a big difference in, someone's 24 and someone's 18 how are they going to hold a conversation you know but like i found that was one of the things that was that was the same case back then and it's the case now where um no matter who you are or what age you are i feel like everyone gels really well which i know isn't the case for every program because i know some people are i've heard of people at least anyway who've said that or heard stories where you know like people kind of keep separate but we're you know everyone has their own like close friend groups and whatever but we can all talk to each other, which I thought was uh, really nice. And that's something that's maintained the same. So yeah, I guess a welcoming culture. Yeah. That, I mean, that's uh, very, like, again, very fortunate to have those kind of things. And like, do you think that, you know, having, cause like, you know, you had like that guy that was, you know, he, I guess you could say he's a mentor to you and now you're a mentor to a freshman. Like, do you think that yeah. that's one of the things that helped you grow as an athlete was having that one person there or like, you know, a couple of people that were older than you, you know, help you and guide you and tell you what to do. Yeah, definitely. I think I can, like, it's funny, I can think back immediately to something where I, back when I was 18, that I or when I was a freshman, that I would have gotten guidance from that I can recall to this day. I remember after the first race that I ran in, uh, in college, I wasn't necessarily happy with it, and it didn't go well. And I think it might have been the next day after the race that, like, after in the locker room, I was just doing a bit of core and whatever, but I was doing it quite intensely, I suppose and uh zach is the guy's name and he he came up to me and he was like we're not supposed to do that today and that's not how we're supposed to you know throw ourselves back into things you know like you need to you just need to chill out you know and that was that was all he said but, but that's something that i've that stuck with me t till now and that was pretty much five years ago at this point so um yeah so there's that's like one very random example of uh, someone being a mentor but these things stick with you over time so definitely I was going to say, does that, do you feel like that's helped turn you into a bit more of a, a leader or like made you want to step up into a mentorship role for like your freshman now? Yeah, I would, I'd, I'd say so. I, I, you know, I think sometimes um, leadership can come in a variety of different ways. You know, people can, you know, lead through force, lead by example. I try best to lead by example. And um, my biggest thing is to kind of try and, look at people as human beings and also try and just 
kind of I've I, one thing I was told was like you know to try and look out for people who are struggling and people who are having bad times. So that's like what I try my best to do. Obviously, no one's. I don't think anyone's better than it than anyone else, or you know, it kind of has to come naturally. But yeah, I would say that like I'd say what I try to do my best on on the team, anyways, a leader is to uh, help people if they're in times of struggle, you know, and pick them up. Yeah, I mean that is that's the most important time. Whenever like you need someone there, whenever you're going through those hard times, and like what what's something that you would like say to someone that's like just had a bad race or you know like doesn't know like whether or not they want to continue running? Like what what's something that you would say? Um, it would obviously I would try my best to look at the situation, look at the athlete. I think my approach would differ based on how I know the personality, but you know, just try and put everything into perspective and just try to. It can seem like your whole world at one point, you know, but it's again trying to put everything into perspective and that there's more important things. I mean, results matter, performance matters. I would definitely on that side of things, and I'm probably quite harsh on myself at sometimes, but sometimes it's needed. But just trying to put things into perspective and you know that you learn something from everything, right? I feel like that's as cliche as it sounds, it's true. So uh I've had bad races in the past where, you know, whether it be a tactical mistake, a mental approach mistake or something that completely out of your control, but you can still learn something from it and take something from it forward, whether it be simply as just motivation to not let this happen again or to say, okay, I didn't do this right, but these are things I won't do again, or this is something I did do right and I can build on this and try it in a different way, you know? So I guess that's, yeah, how I would try yeah, I like that a lot. And I like that you said that you would differ your approach depending on the person. I think that's something that we've had because obviously we've asked probably a couple of people this, a similar question and you might be the first one to be like, well, I, I, you know, it depends a lot on who it is. And um, you yeah. know, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about it now and uh, I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have yeah. teammates here that, you know, you definitely want to um, approach in a specific way. And, and so I just, you know, I thought I'd point that out. I like that answer. Um but I want to ask you, for you, when you've been in these, you know, um, had poor races or maybe you've f felt like you're in a low point, you know, how have you managed to get out of them? And, um, you know, how did you get to where you are on where you are now, so to speak? Um, I would say so. I mean, sometimes, I mean, at some points in my college career, I've been unlucky with some illnesses like coming at wrong time, like the last last two NCAA outdoor regionals um I've ran them both not at full fit and foot health because of falling ill at like the wrong time at the start of April end of May and that's definitely quite frustrating um still is frustrating to me but you know I think something I've tried my best to do is to um not dwell on it and pick myself back up and then get moving like this year I was lucky enough to be able to race throughout Europe and well, I went from someone who I believe, like I, I was someone that made, uh, well, we ended up doing the DMR indoors at NCAAs, but if I was to not have done the DMR and done the mile I, and or didn't scratch the mile, it would have been a mile qualifier at nationals to then going out in the first round of the regional qualifier. But I just picked myself back up and got myself healthy. And then after five weeks, I started racing again and uh, managed to get a one or two PBs over the summer. So not trying to dwell, learn from it and, you know, not trying to uh, play victim either, you know, because I think the sport doesn't owe you anything. Uh, it's one thing my assistant coach said to me before, and I think it's a good thing to 
to take on board because if you feel like you're old things, if you know, if you work hard and if you, I don't know, you could run more than someone and believe you're, you're, that you're going to then outperform them. That's not how it works. You know, there's so many different things that go into it. So I would just try again, try put everything into perspective and then um, again, not dwell and try and see the bigger picture that if there were a lot of good results coming for a low point, then focus on that, try and bring yourself forward and not try and focus on the uh the low points but i will admit that that's easier said than done there have been times where like i've definitely been hard on myself and again sometimes i think it's needed i think some if you constantly patting yourself in the back maybe that's problematic as well but uh a fine blend of knowing that putting things into perspective and then um again yeah not dwelling on it too much no yeah i, I really i really like what you're saying and you know uh yeah, it's basically like don't like I don't know the, the quote that you said that your uh that your assistant coach said was uh mm -hmm. um hold on I'm gonna get in a second I just had it it was uh th yeah the sport doesn't owe you anything like that is yeah. that's something that I think you know a lot of people are like well I I did all the work and like this it I I deserve this and it's like well you know you it doesn't matter if you deserve it or not like this like so many things can happen and like you know other people might be working harder than you and. Uh, yeah, you can't be you can't be telling yourself that you're great all the time because then you're gonna get a huge ego confidence uh, or ego boost, and then you're gonna have a crappy race, and then everything's just gonna fall apart. Um, but yeah, and like you know, having a very good um, balanced way of looking at it all is is really important. And it looks like you I mean you figured it out, and you know you've you ran a couple sub four miles, and which is a pretty big achievement for you know everyone in the NCAA and really just in the world. So uh, what is like something that like, can you talk us through your first time breaking four? Uh, yeah, sure. I, it was, uh, it was in BU my sophomore year. Um, and it was actually just before the pandemic hit. So I was lucky that that in that sense that it happened before then. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things that like, you know, it's in the back of your head. I started running like 403, 402. And then it's like, you know, the next race it could happen or it could might not happen for a few years, uh, may never happen. So, but that day I was supposed to be in heat two, which was paced for sub four. And there were supposed to be some good guys in there. And I think last minute there were some changes and some guys reseated themselves and they ended up in the second heat and I got bumped out into the third heat. And, you know, I was kind of at first I was kind of annoyed that that happened but, but then what ended up happening was the second race ended up being one in 401 I won the third heat in 358 it actually ended up so that like it ended up working out we had a better pacemaker there was less the field was less crowded I was told the whole way um and ended up winning the race so I guess that's something that's pretty cool too is you know when you break four for the first time and being lucky enough to win the race too so it was very special at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm lucky enough now to have kind of chipped on there from over the last few years and uh, slowly but surely take a few seconds off. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's all, I know that like times have changed with, you know, people want to talk about the super shoes, training, everything. Um, I think it'll always be special, a sub four mile. Uh, I don't, I, I was at B, I was running the 3k last year at BU at the Valentine meet when, I don't know, I can't remember how many people <laughs> did it, but it was a lot. I think it was over 50. Um, 
And I remember walking because I we were coming in late because we were getting ready for the 3K. And I think it was like heat five or heat six. And it was still sub four. And the place was rocking like it was electric, you know, the atmosphere. So um, I think as, if as many people can f- uh, feel that as possible, it's pretty cool. But um, definitely has shifted then in terms of defining success in different ways. You know, obviously like, before a sub four mile gets you into the NCA indoor meet. Now it now it's three fifty six or three fifty five. So those things shift, but um, but yeah, no, that was that was a cool time. No, that is that is really interesting. Like about your story about like I mean, you were supposed to be in the second heat, got bumped to the third one, and then you still broke four, but the second heat didn't even break four. Like that is that's actually like I don't know. It's it's hard to say that that's a coincidence sometimes, but uh, like it was just yeah. it, meant, it was it was meant to be. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. And like yeah, I know you talking about like how you know so many people are breaking sub four or yeah breaking the four minute barrier now, and like it, it's a lot of people. But in perspective, it's really not. Like it's still no, not that no, many. No, no, yeah, that's very yeah. that's a good point. I mean, a lot relative <laughs> to before. Yeah, it's still I still I think there's still more people cl- apparently climbing Mount Everest or climbing Mount Everest and breaking four. So I think oh really. Just- Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't even, yeah. uh, I didn't even know that I'm actually reading a book right now about Mount Everest. Uh, but, uh, that's, that's still really interesting. Um, but yeah, going like whenever you had that mentality or not, not the mentality, whenever you, uh, were going into that sub four mile and you didn't even know it, but what was your mentality, uh, racing at that moment? Funnily enough, um, Marcus, my coach had said to, especially when I was in heat three, he said at, at this time, like, obviously no approach is going to be the same for it's going to be different for different races and as you get older or whatever your tactics and approaches change but he said no matter what happens just race so um basically he said uh if the pacemaker steps off and it's off and it's not happening like don't force it so i was basically going in like trying to win and i'll even admit that in even times since then I've tried to focus too much on getting times in the past. Um, and just, again, like if you win, if you, if you win a race or you've placed high up, you're going to run fast. And if you didn't, it means something didn't go well, but you're, you're, you're on the right track that it's then going to happen, you know? So just trying to race and forget necessarily about the time as much as you can, can go a long way. Yeah. I think just learning how to race the field, uh, so to speak, is, is, yep. it's racing the clock. Um, you know, are two very different things because you're definitely right. I think we found that, you know, obviously your best races are going to be, uh, when you're near the front. Um, (laughs) but, um, I wanted to ask, so obviously you were, you started off in cross country, um, back home and now you're seem to be, you know, doing, doing really good things in the mile. So are you, um, are you more mid distance, um, type guy? What, what, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say. I classify myself as like, I mean, based on my, I guess, profile, probably be mile 3K right now. Um, I I have ran some, I guess, like decent cross-country performances, but I would say I'd be running them as a miler, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in the last, last, like I didn't run, I didn't have cross-country eligibility this semester, but last semester I was fifth at the Paul Short, uh ak and uh fifth at big east conference so like was scoring for a team that was winning conference so um 
I, st- I definitely do, do love cross country still. Um, and do believe I, I guess I have some, uh, background in that, but, uh, go like at the moment I see myself as like a endurance based miler, I guess, put it that way, you I know? Gotcha. Yeah, I got you. And, um, so what was it that drew you to the mile? Um, you know, or like, um, so my, my high school coach, Ken, uh, always believed that, you know, starting off when you're younger, that you should run like middle distance, no matter what, like he was, I wouldn't say he was anti like 5k, 3k, 5k, but if he felt that there was going to be any bit of success or any type of improvement, like personal improvement over the 800 and the 1500, he believes staying at that for as long as possible is like the best approach. And I know some people who still take that approach. So I remember when I, so I, that was how I was, I guess, brought up with the sport. I wanted, I I always liked the 1500. Like I do believe it's the, you know, the blue ribbon event that like, I, I, I get most excited for the 1500. Uh, I would say 1500, the 800 and the hundred meters probably at the, uh like at an olympics or world championships but that being said i'd watch anything but the 1500 is the what i grew up watching like back then like nick willis uh ben blankenship just a few names to list out back when i was younger and um matt centrowitz so i was like just constant and then i guess looking into irish history that's the event where there's been most success on the men's sides uh back in the 80s you know ray flynn Still holds the Irish record, 349. Uh, Eamon Coughlin was a world champion and a, a miler as well. And Marcus. So I kind of stayed at the... I remember when I turned like 17, 18, and I really was like wanting to run the 3K and Ken was saying, no, um, he said, not, not yet, not yet, not yet. And really, I didn't get a proper crack at it until last year. And I ended up running quite well. Um, so I guess it was kind of... I wouldn't say I was forced into starting off in the mile, but that's where I started. Like my first races were 800s and 1500s. I actually didn't run the mile much back home uh, growing up, but I found that, yeah, it was what I first raced, but then I enjoyed it the most. And I still do now, even though I probably, I do believe I probably have some sort of career at the longer distances. I'm still taking that same approach where I'm limiting myself to, mile 3k for now trying to get as much out as myself in the next few years no yeah i get i get that and uh yeah for the mile it's like uh it's one of the easiest races i think for someone to to understand like what's a good time like for someone that's not a runner if you tell them like yeah i can break four minutes in the mile they they will understand like that is that's really fast um whereas like if you tell someone like yeah i I ran a 5k and i did it in uh in like 14 or 13 minutes they're gonna be like oh cool like not knowing that that's like uh at the same time Um, yeah yeah um yeah no i definitely understand like why the mile uh drew you in and like whenever you ran the 3k uh this past year like were you more excited or were you more like a little nervous for it being a i guess a bit longer distance uh, I guess just like not having like, any experience really with racing that event. I did have some, you know, I wasn't sure. Sh- I, I opened my season with a 3K last year and I wasn't sure how it was going to feel on the back end. Like I didn't know necessarily know because you kind of don't really know something until you've done it and then you get a better idea. And then I knew when I ran that first one, I was like, okay, I think I can run a certain amount of seconds faster. Um, 
but then again there is an element of excitement when you try something different i do run like the the odd 800 as well like at the right time of the season then that's definitely fun too but um yeah the 1500 and and the mile i put obviously put them as one one event but that's where i get the most uh enjoyment and probably success as well yeah that's really cool yeah, I really. Sorry, yeah. I like froze for a second there, but um, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. <all> good. <laughs> um, but obviously, yeah, you're just talking about how you you still think that there's you know good future for you in the longer distances as well, and I'm sure, I'm sure that you know in the cross country season back home you got some of that, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I know European cross country is a bit of a different animal to um you know cross country in the U.S. So what were your experiences like? running cross country back home just so just yeah like so uh very different i mean some of the courses i've ran here uh are very in the in the u.s are very pleasant and there's been the odd one then that's thrown a curveball you know mud hills rain whatever but uh i it's definitely it, it's different i our uh high school races a lot of the times are just on a farm you know that was just it might be it might have been mowed down a bit but like there could just be like cows and stuff around the place <laughs> there'd be a course through which when thinking back it it's pretty cool that's basically how i like my first experience was on cross country it wasn't uh cross came before track so uh based on the time of the year but um yeah i was lucky enough uh when i was 16 17 18 that that time i was able to make uh the irish u20 team for european cross country so i did get around in 20 2016 in Chia, which is in Sardinia, just off just off of Italy, and the following year in Slovakia, and like the courses were completely different. The weather was completely different. You know, you got man-made mounds, uh, man-made hills. You're jumping over logs, um, but I I I think it's one of the coolest events in the sport. Um, you know, hope I'd love to again run that one day, whether it be. Uh, even in the mixed relay, that's kind of taken some prominence in recent years, even though it's a relatively new event where two guys and two girls run, I guess, close to a mile, 1500, whatever the course is. Um, I think Ireland didn't send a team this year um, in to the European cross country just gone. But watching the race, you know, um, Great Britain switched their men and women uh like order to everyone else where they put a man in where on all the girls in that leg and then they ended up having a girl anchoring instead of all the guys and hmm. it nearly like gee, the great britain won a medal they won bronze they nearly actually won the entire thing and i thought that that was pretty cool just seeing how that panned out so um but yeah definitely a difference in cross country from ireland to the u.s in terms of i guess your generic experience if you're expecting a course it's going to be a bit more challenging uh well i'd say challenging footing i do think the most challenging course i've ran on just in terms of actual sheer pain is uh oklahoma state at nc yeah that is i ran that i ran that ran that twice and that was uh that was rough both times that's funny i had no idea that european cross was that uh that intense like or that that uh that crazy i'm not gonna lie i thought it would have been nicer than uh the united states but uh that is that's really interesting like so you're saying that you want to continue to do that one whenever you get back uh whenever you you're done with college yeah i like i would say the 
you know, the Irish team, there's a lot of guys right now, um, kind of, I'd say, early 20s to late 20s, even 30s. There's a lot of guys either from home who've developed and people in the NCA system who've developed as well to the point where um, Ireland are closing in on medals now. I think our, the Irish senior team was fourth this year um, by a very slim margin. So very hard teams to make, but I do, yeah, I would like to see myself getting back into those teams when the time is right. Um, and yeah, as I said, even with the mile back, 1500 background as well, even if it was the relay, um, I know I've, I've in the past I've been in, in close contention for those spots, so that would be pretty cool. So I think it's um, yeah, it, I'm surprised the the following it has in the US. I know a few of my teammates talk about Eurocross, and they'll get up and they'll watch and think one of my teammates said it's one of the cooler events in track and sports or track and field. So um, yeah, hopefully one day. It sounds a bit more interesting to me. I'm not gonna lie. So yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check that out. But yeah. There's a there's that funny video of um Inga Briston coming down the street drafting off of um I don't know some Kenyan dude or maybe not Kenyan because it's Europe but uh, uh some some guys just drafting incredibly hard it's made me laugh and like they're just caked in mud it's yeah it's a yep. really fun event to watch but so we're, I mean we're kind of on the topic so what are your plans you know after this year when you graduate do you plan to go back home do you plan to stay in the the U S and you know are you trying to maybe going to the professional scene, you know, what's, uh, what's your future look like ideally? So, uh, right now I would say the, it's a vague answer, but it's all up in the air. Um, I haven't made any like clear decision as to what I want to do. Um, the only thing that I have decided is I will definitely be continuing running at a higher level. Um, wherever that may be, I think I would like, if the right opportunity came up, I'd like to stay in the U S um with the sole goal of bettering myself to make uh Irish national teams and comp compete at the highest level and um but yeah it could be at home it could be in the US but I know I'm finishing my MBA at Villanova this uh coming semester and I have a degree in marketing from here as well so have been kind of lucky enough to be able to kind of pursue uh some academic goals as well while I'm here but for now that will kind of all going well. I just kind of want to focus on one thing at a time and just focus on the the coming six months and get the best out of myself. But um, but yeah, it's. I was actually only on the phone to one of my friends earlier today, and he was asking me the same question, and <laughs> I said that it's uh it's pretty interesting though. I, I think it's exciting not knowing exactly what it is right now because um, in the in the past, I feel like everything sometimes is always like. I like when I was going to high school, I knew I was going to high school the next year. And then I knew I was going to Villanova and then I, I've known this now that it could go in a few different directions. Um, I think that's kind of exciting because not everything can just be static and go in one direction. So, um, but yeah, all I know is I will definitely be, I, I do think I can have a good few more seconds and uh, race like time seconds to give in different events and uh, races to win and stuff. So um looking forward to that whatever it may be but uh right now i'm just trying to soak up the last of the time here and try and stay present because i know that if you can get you know too bogged down on looking into the future you kind of forget then like that what you're doing right now is determines your future so no that's that's uh, really awesome uh and that's that's a great 
that's a really cool way to look at it. And uh, I'm going to quote Ferris Bueller right here, but it's like, you know, life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop, you might miss it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. It is true. It is true. Yeah. Um, I might have to watch that movie again. Yeah, no, oh, it's a great movie. <laughs> it's a top movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I think this just goes, this isn't even for running, but like, yeah, like, you know, staying present is extremely important and just like in life because if you get like if, if you start looking out in the future you're literally i mean that's kind of what ferris bueller was saying like you're gonna you're literally gonna miss like being happy in the moment like you're just not gonna you're not gonna get to enjoy life 100 percent, 100 percent. i think yeah that's a, a lesson i think you know people say when you're younger and you don't really take any notice but you know time does take on and you know mm-hmm. these like you just need to like, I think it's the best advice people, it's, it's hard to do, but to just like, kind of just stay present in the moment and yeah. just enjoy whatever, whatever's actually going on in your life right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So what, like, what have, what are some things that you've been doing to like, you know, stay present in the moment and, you know, I mean, obviously running, but you know, anything else? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, you know, I, my original plan being at Villanova was four to five years. Um, I never thought a sixth would happen. It was only last year when, so I had an injury in 2019 and that gave me an outdoor season and then the COVID outdoor season the following year didn't go. So that meant year five was always going to be a thing, but I didn't know year six. And uh, so with that, that being said, I spent about a year at home, almost a year at home in Ireland when the pandemic hit. So I feel like it's, it's almost like two stints, like pre COVID and post COVID in the U S and um, yeah, I'm just trying to, make the most of it uh you know if you one or two guys from my grade are still here in the grade below who i'm very good friends with and a lot of us will be moving on to different things next year so uh just trying to you know one of my friends said let's not talk about it <laughs> he's like that's what's his approach she's like let's not talk about it i was like all right fine that's cool yeah because i was one that brought it up one day um but yeah no i mean just trying to uh have you know, normal days. I, I, I love one of my favorite things to do is to go to uh, cool coffee shops, like a big coffee drinker, yeah. very stereotypical runner here, you know, <laughs> like the Articon bracelet, the earring, like every, I, I have to say that I, that, that, that is true. I can't escape that. And I love coffee too. So small things like that, you know, just going to coffee with good friends and having, having good conversations, watching movies and then training. I, that's the one thing as well. That's really great about our, um, I guess, you know, team culture and stuff is it's pretty rare where you have, you know, if you're on a college team where, you know, for the people you live with and the people that you're closest with, you're together pretty much 24 seven. But even outside of that, you're seeing pretty much everyone on, at least on my like distance team, I'd see them pretty much every day at training. And then, you know, you might cross over then at dinners or lunches and stuff. So um, all simple stuff, really nothing, nothing too flashy, but just, just enjoying it. I like that a lot. Yeah, that might be my favorite part about being on the team too. Just like the, uh, you know, the culture and like almost like the the uh, the built-in friends, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think like when I was uh, when I was at home when the pandemic hit, uh, I was surprised at what I missed the most at the time. Like I, I'd like long runs and training and stuff, but I will say like I live for racing. Like I, I love to race. Um even when the moment comes and the nerves and, you know, the ups and the downs, that's my favorite. That is my favorite part. Uh, but I ended up missing the long run, like a Sunday long run, which is just basically everyone gets in the van. 
go to a certain trail, run together and come back and have breakfast together. And that was what I missed the most, which was surprising because then I felt like when I came back, I started to appreciate it more when it was taken away. Um, so yeah, it's amazing. Like sometimes when you think about it, like it's the, it's the small things, you know, like even now that I've done that for so many times since then, it's just a Sunday, you know, it's the same old, same old, but, uh, still can be very fun. No, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, soon they'll, it'll be memories and like soon you'll just be like dwelling on the past and like, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of cringy and all that, but like, it's true. Like, you know, like, I mean, so we take it all for granted and like, you know, uh, and it's, it's good that you're, you know, you're embracing it all right now. Um, but I do think we're, I guess we're getting to that kind of time, uh, where we do need to end the, the podcast, but I do have one question, uh. For someone that is, I'm racing the mile tomorrow. Um, okay. What is like, what would be your best advice for someone racing the mile? And like, how, how would you run it correctly? Or how, how do you run it correctly? Well, I mean, I would basically, this is, I hope this isn't too cliche, but I mean, if it's an indoor track, right? Yes. Yes. So eight laps. Yes. Or is it an oversized? Yeah. Like it's lap uh, five and six. Like the first four laps, normally, if you get your, you get a good start and you get your positioning, wherever your strength and your position may be towards the front, towards the back, depending on the, whatever type of approach you have for the race. But it's the, it's definitely the fifth and sixth lap, just staying concentrated and knowing like, all right, now it's time to, to lock in. That's the, that's how I find anyway, the best bit of advice. Cause I feel like the, the first four laps and the last two laps as hard as they may be can take care of themselves sometimes. But, and I thought, I remember thinking that when I was, um, you know, 13, 14, like that, the, the third lap in a 1500 was the hardest thing. And, you know, I'm hearing of guys who've ran 330 and faster world-class athletes who still say the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, I think that definitely applies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but <laughs> what, um, like what, what, how do you stay locked in, in that, in that third lap? Um, just like telling yourself, like reminding yourself that you, when you prep yourself for this moment, that it actually arrives and be like, all right, this is gonna, this is the part where I have to focus, just staying focused, not to, not getting too, um, excited and agitated either, because if you can go too, too hard, too early, then you can mess up your game plan. But again, just trying to stay as calm as possible. And then also, um, yeah, just gritting your teeth and getting after it, I suppose, you know? Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. It's not easy sometimes, but, uh, and then again, <laughs> have fun, you know, that's the most important thing as well. As hard as it may seem in the moment, it's before and afterwards, it, it always, it's fun. So, um, awesome. yeah, to enjoy it. Perfect. Well, it seems like a pretty good place to wrap it up. So thank yep. you so much, man. You know, I've loved it having you on and, uh, you know, I loved, I love the fact that we got an Irish guy on as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's the first, first guy overseas that we've had on so far. Um, awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much to everyone listening. And, you know, we hope you've had a good time as well. Um, yep, definitely. So yeah, definitely. I very much enjoyed it. Awesome. I'm glad. Well, we will catch everyone next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to like and subscribe and we'll catch you all next week.